cliffcentral.com. It's time for Collectomania. So let's turn our attention to Dean. He's got a collection of flight gear, and we tracked him down, and we decided we would speak to him. So Dean is a self-confessed military aviation junkie. He's collected over 50 helmets. Yep, many with masks, 15 G-suits, including an example of the first South African-made G-suit, 19 flight suits, 7 life preservers, two survival suits, and various goggles, boots, gloves, headsets, survival jackets, and flight jackets. Hey, Dean, you nutcase, how are you? <laughs> Gareth, yeah, thanks very much, and uh, thanks for having me. Morning. No, I, I don't think you're a nutcase. There's so many of us who collect str- strange stuff, and, I mean, I'm one of them, so I'm in no position to criticize you. So, Dean. Yeah, please speak to some of my friends. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I will, because I'm absolutely sure you have friends who collect even more weird things than you do. This is a pretty unique <laughs> This is a pretty unique thing to be collecting, though, and I can see some of them on the back uh, in, in the back of your of your picture now. There's a Yeah, I invited, I invited a friend or a visitor to. <laughs> <laughs> you got some creepy guy standing in the background with a helmet uh, and, and a flight suit. On. All right, so. I'm hoping it will help with any uh, potential break-ins. <laughs> They'll frighten the hell out of me. If I woke up in the middle of the night and that thing was standing in the in the oh, passage, hey. yeah, I think I'd be a little bit frightened. Yeah. So, Dean, tell us how it all started. How did you begin collecting, and where did this interest stem from? Well, I've been uh, really interested in aircraft aviation flying ever since junior school, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think if you track down some of my uh, School buddies. <laughs> I think the only thing they'll remember about me is that I never stopped talking about aeroplanes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I did my national service in the Air Force in the late 80s. Right. Uh, and uh, fortunate to get into the Air Force. And um, so uh, I managed to acquire uh, one or two um, surplus items at that stage. Yeah. And then I carried on with life and. Uh, um, I started a website on the Air Force in 1994. Mm-hmm. That was when the internet was still in its infancy. The website's still going strong. It's a airforce.co.za. Carried on with my love of aviation flying, started writing articles for various local and national magazines, and so on. And uh, arising from the website, um, a whole lot of people would contact me to say their fathers, their grandfathers used to serve in the Air Force during World War II and so on. And they've passed on and they want to find out more um, details about that person. So um, that got me started re- um, to thinking maybe I should publish a book on people's experiences in the Air Force. <laughs> and uh, so I chatted to a whole lot of people with experiences from pre-World War II all the way up to uh, – the guys currently serving in the DRC, and uh, and the, that book on the personal experiences of people in the Air Force was uh, published a few years ago. Yeah, and then uh, about three years ago, the bug um, of collecting flight gear hit again. Uh, I found one or two of the items which are still in storage, and I uh, thought, ah, oh, let me carry on with this. And ever since then, my bank balance has been depleting at a steady rate. So, so Dean, I mean, first, first of all, is it possible to get all this stuff? Because a lot of it is military equipment. And, you know, for some civilians, that's, that's not allowed. It's very – in some countries, if you're in possession of uniforms, flight suits, helmets, that kind of thing – uh, they, they often look at you like some kind of criminal because you shouldn't have those in your collection. So is it hard to get those here, or is, is it pretty easy for you? Uh, yeah, uh, you've you, you got to be careful that it's not current um, 
uh, South African Defence Force equipment, particularly uniforms, and uh, because uh, particularly camouflage uniforms is prohibited for private people to be in possession of current uh, uniforms. But um, we've been quite lucky with the flight suits and so on that um, most of what we collect is out of service. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have managed to acquire one or two items that, you know, are still in service, right. such as boots or gloves and right. that kind of thing. But, um, it, but it, it doesn't appear to be an issue. I don't try to pass myself off as a, yeah, as a current I mean, pilot. The, the, reason, the reason just to explain to people who might be thinking, well, why would that be a problem? Obviously, you can't impersonate a military uh, a, a member of the military, a, a soldier or, or a pilot or any of those things, because... Obviously, there are security concerns around that. Most people only accept that someone is in the armed forces if they can see them in the uniform, right? So if you're collecting the uniform, they may mistake you for being someone in authority, and you could probably do all kinds of nefarious things. That's right, exactly. I think people, if I walk around uh, in the local shopping center and dressed up like uh, the gentleman behind me. <laughs> well, mind you, in these COVID days, they might actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, people probably think you were just being extremely cautious, you know, like those people who wear the mask, right. mask and the face visor and earmuffs and God knows what else, because I've seen a few <laughs> of those around. So, Dean, let's just talk about the actual uh, items in your collection for a second. I've got a couple of pictures here, and we're going to share these with everybody, and you can just talk us through some of them. So, first of all, those helmets on the shelf behind you. Let's take a look at those. What do we got here? Yes. Um, well, on the very left is a leather helmet dating back to 1937. Uh, wow. I should mention that because there's quite a lot of World War II collectors out there. So I've kind of concentrated my collection from 1945 um, to, to current. Yeah. But um, I have acquired this 1937 one. With um, with goggles, I, m- I must point out that those goggles on there is um, fake goggles. It's the only fake item in my entire collection, but I thought it just suited this particular um, item. And you can actually see attached to it is like two metal tubes. Attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see that pieces or tubes. Mm-hmm. And those in the early aircraft, where there were no electrics, there were no radios, yeah. intercoms. So that is how the pilots spoke to each other. They plugged it into a tube, <laughs> and they literally shouted at each other into the other one's ear via this tube. God, that's incredible. Uh, running between the two cockpits. I wondered what that was because I thought it can't be oxygen. You know, it's going to their no, ears. No, that's, that's right. Oh, how incredible. So, uh, All right. Um, so so are, those, then, are those ones on the left, um, the leather ones, is that the oldest one you've got? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. All right. That's correct. And then uh, second from the left, that's a Type D um, Air Force flying helmet. Mm-hmm. That backs uh, to the latter days of World War II with a Type H mask, if I'm a little bit technical. And, uh, yeah, so that was used from the late uh, World War II, in fact, all the ways until the 1980s. Yes. And uh, well, particularly the oxygen mask to the late 1980s, the, the helmet itself was into the 1950s, early 60s. Okay. And um, with a Mark 8 goggles. And, uh, and then uh, the third one from the left or second from the right, that's a Mark 3 um, helmet, also British in origin, same type of, uh, of mask. And that um, that actually had a like a leather inner. Um, mm. You can just cut like a grey leather cloth under it. Yes. 
and um, and then this hard helmet out um, that covers it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was used from the uh, early mid sixties. <laughs> Incredible. To, to the seventies, and, and so and the, on. And the last one there is that the newest? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's a, a Gino three one six. That's a very common one that was used in the air force from the mid eighties, early to mid eighties, all the way to the nineties, and in fact, um, in general squadron use. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that helmet is still being used today. At I think Leanne has one of those. She calls Brain it a, school. Uh, Le- Leanne has one of those. She calls it her sleeping Jesus. She actually uses that for, to sleep. With. Yeah, it's it's my CPAP machine, and I must oh. say, I feel very at home with these guys on yeah. the, on the shelf exactly. and the one behind you. Someone mentioned that I might be scared by the mannequin behind you, but I think he's more like my knight in shining armor because we we identify with each other with yeah. our pipes coming out of our mouths. Is it? Right. There's a there's a lot of, of of these that we can't go into too much detail on. But how many helmets? Yeah, exactly. How many helmets are there all together? Um, I've got over fifty now. My goodness! Of, wow. Of the helmets. Where do you store them? Are, and uh, in boxes like this in the garage? That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> wow. There's just too much space in the house to uh, store them individually. Yeah. So uh, the helmet, the, the garage is getting quite full. And um, I must uh, all kudos to my wife, Jody. Um, she's even allowed some of the overflow to be in, in, in the house. And uh, I say, yes, at the end of the year, I'll have time. I will find space to pack them back again. Uh, but, uh, I think speak to Elect and <laughs> these That's things happen. Yeah, it's, I always feel sorry for the, the husbands and wives of collectors because they really have to put up with the most nonsense. They have to clear space in their house. They have to give up whole rooms sometimes for these collections to be housed. It's it's not easy being uh, married to someone who collects stuff. Uh, yeah, and the distinction, we are not hoarders. <laughs> yeah, These are collections. They're historical right. interest. Yes. I use them for research because um, actually for each item that I collect, I'm actually researching and going into the history of each item. Sometimes I can actually identify the individual person who actually flew with the item. Wow. I've been in contact with some of them. And I'm actually planning on writing a book now on all uh, South African Air Force flight gear since 1945. And I'm actually contacting um, like the survival section staff who served in and current used to or currently serving in the Air Force, manufacturers, Mm -hmm. distributors for information and so on. And it's actually quite amazing about in the 1980s because of sanctions and so on, the amount of development that occurred in South Africa, just on my think very boring and plain vanilla um, flight suits and helmets and things. Yeah. But some of them are actually so technologically advanced that the one helmet you had in a picture, and I can actually show you my pride and joy. Yes. Um, this particular one. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is that? And th- this is a. And I've put the visor down, and I can put the visor back up. You can't amazing. really see it. In yeah, the, no, we can. We can see in it there. the darkness. There we go. Yeah. And that is a the very first um, operational helmet-mounted sight hmm. used in the world. And that was um, in the early '80s. That was integrated on the South African Mirage threes. Wow. which allowed the pilots just to look at the target, at the uh, opposing aircraft, mm-hmm. designate that aircraft with its air-to-air missile and allow it to shoot the missile 
just by looking at the aircraft instead of having to wow. point the aircraft, wait for a tone and beep and for the missile seeker to lock on. Yeah, the, the pilot would turn his head, look at the aircraft. Obviously, at, at that, in those years, you couldn't look too far to the left or the right. Yeah, sure. But that was slave to the missile's infrared seeker, which would look for the heat of the exhaust. The seeker would then turn in the same direction. Terrific. And the pilot can then fire the missile. And this was this was hugely secret in those years. And in fact, so, I'm sure you've heard of Dieter Gerhardt, who was a Navy commander in charge of Simonstown. Mm-hmm. And uh, little known to the South Africans at the time, he was actually a Russian spy. <laughs> and he managed to get one of these helmets to the Russians. Oh, wow. That disrupted and, uh, things. Which greatly de- developed, you know, the Russians' technology in on this type of thing. And in fact, this technology is still being developed in South Africa today. Um, technology is very different, obviously, over the years, but it's, you know, it's had you, its you have, groundings in South Africa. You have written books. I mean, in 2013, you published a book called Tumult in the Clouds, which is the stories from the South African Air Force, 1920 to 2010. And um, you've also created and maintained an unofficial South African Air Force website. And you know, I've been to the, the, the Military History Museum, the Imperial War Museum in, in Joburg a couple of times. I hope that they're looking after things there because, you know, there's so much of, of our, of our heritage that's held in these museums and these, these places where we're supposed to have them preserved and, and cared for. And I, I just wonder if it isn't someone passionate like you, whether the people who are entrusted with this, this duty in various places, not just the Imperial War Museum, but all over the country, where we're meant to be cataloging, archiving, restoring, uh, and, and maintaining our collections, it bothers me that they, they might not be the people who are as passionate as you are, for example. Do you often pop in there and just make sure that they're doing their job? Um, well, I do try to pop in as much as I can. Uh, obviously, <laughs> oh, not to make sure they're do, doing the job, but uh, we, sorry. I have a solution. Sorry, Dean. Is change your helmet every time you go. You just pop in you, you, like you, they don't know who you are every time. You're just there walking around yeah. and you don't say a thing like the stig. <laughs> <laughs> I must try it the next time. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It, it, you know, it, it's it's um, it's amazing though that this website of yours, um, you, you, it's saairforce.co.za. I mean, really, you know, in any organized country, the air force themselves would have a website where they would have all this information and this stuff on. But it's uh, it's you who has to do this. That's right. That's right. Mm. I mean, I started the website. I say in '94, before the Defence Force, the Air Force had their own websites. <laughs> wow. Any later years, to start the websites, and if you go to the Air Force's website now, it's just a blank land page, because um, yeah, because of internal issues that uh, oh, they God. cannot actually <clears throat> maintain their own websites. So, it, so you're right. It is left to us enthusiasts to uh, fly the flag. It's. I mean. In no way, shape, or form are we harking back to the pre-94 days or anything like that. It's just no. from our love of aircraft, and um, and that is what uh, we don't. We're not lovers of war as such. We just love the technology, the flight, the, and we have a passion for it. And we just want to share it with as many people as possible. So Steve says, a nice collection. I bet your most wanted ones would be the new F-35 and AH-64 helmets. Is that about right? Is Steve on the money? He's spot on. In, in fact, you know, um, 
I'm also a correspondent for Defence Web. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, I write I write for them on naval and aviation matters. And uh, yeah, so you come into contract with the various other Air Force defence attaches and so on. And uh, I must admit. Uh, the topic has come up of uh, acquiring an F-35 helmet. Uh, yeah, is it easy to uh, do? I'm serious. They seem to think I'm joking for some reason. I'm not sure why, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, are you are you ever going to be able to get these things, or are they are they you know are they people selling them on eBay, for example? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, they're the current um, top of the line um, technology. You know. Um, I think it's uh, they cost uh, a good few million dollars each. Oh right, okay. And in the tens Whoa. of millions of dollars, uh, I think they're slightly out of my price bracket. Yeah. And uh, but I think that technology is very closely held for the moment. Wow. But I have seen, like, I mean, the the Gripen helmets that the South Africans use. They South Africans use also two different helmets, but the common everyday um, helmet I have seen for sale once or twice on eBay. At a suitable price, and um, I looked, I cried, I closed the, the web page. <laughs> oh wow! Just because the price is so high. That's right. Sure. Well, I wonder. I mean, you probably go uh, to to one of these air force bases, and you'd probably just find some lying around if you looked hard enough. Because we've we've really let our <laughs> we've let, I'm I'm sad to say we've let our military go to rack and ruin, and I don't think there's anyone actually keeping track of these things you know there used to be like uh quartermasters who would who would make absolutely sure that everything was accounted for and that uh that they kept track of all the stock now i don't think that happens much um certainly it doesn't happen to the degree where it's disciplined and orderly yes um i think the air force is uh still ahead of the army in in that respect Hmm. Um, because these are personal issue items. Um, I mean, some of these helmets, yeah. you know, um, the guys have to fly overseas to have them fitted properly. Really? Because they, they're so advanced wow. and they're suited to each individual mm. pilot that uh, all these items are actually on their personal names. It's amazing. And uh, they, they're responsible for it. And uh, when they move from squadron to squadron or something like that, they've got to account for for these items. Well, so, Dean, uh, I, I have to tell you, this is fantastic. Uh, just when we think we've covered all of the different areas that collections can go into, we meet someone like you who's brought in a completely different view and, and, and range of collection. Um, so keep, keep doing this. It's great to see. And I just love the fact that there are people like you who are making every part of, of, of you know, the collection world interesting. Um, this is really, really cool. Keep up the collections. I hope it grows. I hope you get, uh, you know, a really nice cash injection so you can buy all those helmets that you don't already have. Um, we, and we, and keep writing, no, keep writing. It's, it's great to know that there are people who are also hugely passionate about these subjects and make it interesting for the rest of us. No, thanks, Gareth and team. I really appreciate being on here. No and, uh, yeah, been great fun. And, uh, I really enjoy, uh, sharing, sharing my hobby with everyone. Very, very nice to see you. Thank you so much, Welcome. Dean. There he is. There's uh, Dean. And, and Dean, just quickly before I say goodbye to you, I see there's even a wing in your surname, Wingrin. Yes, right. So it's like horses for destiny. Course. Destiny. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. It's meant to be. All right. Thank you very much, Dean Wingrin, and uh, his collection of helmets and flight equipment and flight suits. 
uh, G-suits, all kinds of cool stuff. Goggles, boots, gloves, headsets. He's got a whole lot. It's very, very cool. I just wonder G-suits, if... G-suits, G-strings, the no, lot. No, the G-strings are your collection, yeah, yeah. Leanne. No, but, but also, he's an aviation guy. You, you know, the, listen, I don't care who you are as a girl. Once those guys... I mean, there's us guys who are dickheads in the street. And then when those proper military guys pitch up, I mean, G-strings, yeah. he's got plenty of those. He's married now, obviously. He's, <laughs> he's throwing them away. But, well, but yeah. listen, I, I think it's really great. Awesome. That, uh, you Here again, we're exposed to a collection. I, if you'd said to me, we're going to speak to someone who collects flight suits and helmets, I'd have said to you, you're not going to find one of those easily. So if you've got a really cool collection, you want to share it with us, please do let us know. Contact at cliffcentral.com. We would love to hear from you. And also, if you uh, haven't already heard, you should get along to the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Scoin Shop. You can check them out at scoinshop.com. Remember to message us on contact at cliffcentral.com for a chance to tell us about your collections. Very, very nice. So you know we love about that one. Hmm? Um, sorry, before we move off, is that yeah. it's not like he's collecting basketball shoes or whatever where yeah. in two years they'll make new ones and there'll be a new NBA draft and he, he'll have his own line. And that mm-hmm. is these are so incredible because they've been a part of uh, the advancement and the breakdown of human history. You know, these helmets have been in places and been a part of history, which may or may ne- never happen again, ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it was then, you, you know, the, the, they're incredibly properly valuable right down to the philosophical point. So I hope he finds a young person who will take it from them, him as well when he, you know, in 50 years time when he hangs the boots up. Well, that's always the worry for any collector. I mean, it's not going to keep them up at night because they're really collecting for themselves. But they, a lot of these collectors that we've spoken to on Collectomania have all said, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with our collection when we're gone. Because if mm. you don't find someone who's as passionate as you are about this stuff. It's just a mess. It's a, you know, it all will, mm. it'll all just fall apart when you're gone. Um, these collections mm. need the people who care about them the most to be around. Otherwise, they just it doesn't happen. Cliffcentral.com.